Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, everyone. Welcome to Revolution. I'm glad to have you here, as always. And uh, hello to all the online listeners, wherever you're at. Um, we are in Galatians 2 today. Not my favorite verse in Galatians, but probably one of my favorite parts of Galatians is Galatians 2, because... We get to see Paul kind of flex his muscle a little bit about being a, an apostle. I mean, this is all Paul defending himself. Um, I mean, Galatians is such a strange letter because he's defending himself. He's rebuking Galatians. Uh, he's also like passionately trying to express what grace is. And... Uh, it's it's such an interesting letter, and it has so many different aspects to it. Um, I really love it. And so now he's kind of giving his credentials um, to them to remind them where he's come from. Um, oh. I was at the tattoo convention yesterday. That was $20 not well spent. <laughs> because, you know, if you've seen somebody get tattooed, just times that 200 <laughs> Paying 20 bucks for it is kind of expensive. But it's still kind of cool. It's neat to see how many tattooed people are in Minneapolis. There are a lot. Um lot of people and it was right in the heart of downtown so that was kind of cool um that's what i did yesterday um that's a side note let's get into galatians 2 then 14 years later i went back to jerusalem again this time with barnabas and titus came along too i went there because god revealed to me i should go while i was there i talked privately with the leaders of the church I wanted them to understand that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure they did not disagree or my ministry would have been useless. And they did agree. They did not even demand my companion. Well, let's first look at this. They did agree. And he didn't want them not to. So he did want approval um, to kind of get approval for his ministry. And so he's saying, I've come, you know, he's saying no man's called him before. And that he's got his calling from God. But he's also saying he got, you know, went to Jerusalem with Barnabas and they got the okay from them as well. It's kind of funny. Paul's all over the place sometimes. I wanted to make them understand that I had been preaching the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure they did not disagree with my ministry or would have been useless. And they did agree. So he puts that there. Another point. So he's got God on his side. He's got Jerusalem on his side. 
And, um, and then this. Then they did not even demand my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Even the question wouldn't have come up except some so-called Christians there, false ones really, who came to spy on us to see our freedom in Christ Jesus. They wanted to force us like slaves to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to listen to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the good news for you. Now that's always been interesting to me that I've got people spying on him. Um obviously in the shower or something shower i guess they didn't have showers baths uh bath house uh they were naked so they were looking at his genitals and uh that came up which is really strange that that uh, uh, something that you know he's not circumcised but they didn't even demand that he would be circumcised um this is all paul also showing that you know Circumcision is no longer an issue. Um, uh, which, which the people who've come into Galatian, Galatia, um, or Gaul, or are, are saying, you know, these pre these what they're called Judaizers, uh, preachers, who've come in and said you have to be circumcised, you have to, you know, obey certain holidays, you have to. You know, do certain things. And uh, so yeah. And the leaders of the church who were there had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, my their reputation as great leaders, and I love this part too. He says, by the way, um, the reputation of great leaders made no difference to me for God has no favorites. And I liked that a lot because growing up in the church, you would have thought God had favorites. Um, or somehow someone's, you know, don't touch God's anointed. You know, don't mess with God's anointed. You know, like somehow the preacher or the pastor or, you know, whoever was special and you, and you weren't to, to question or mess with them. And he's saying, you know, God doesn't show partiality. God has no favorites. Um, and that's good news. That's good news for a lot of us. So no one's better than anybody else. No one's prayers are getting there faster than somebody else's prayers. Um, they saw the good news had been given to us res responsibility of preaching the good news to the Gentiles just as he had been just as Peter had been responsible for preaching to the Jews for the same. God who worked through Peter for the benefit of the Jews worked through me for the benefit of the Gentiles. In fact, James and Peter and John, who were known pillars of the church, recognized the gifts God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued to work with the Jews. The only thing they suggested was that we remember 
to help the poor. And I have certainly been eager to do that. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, he, he Paul's gotten, you know, no partiality towards people. God has no favorites. But at the same time, he's using the apostles as saying, I've got their approval just in case you're wondering. And I've got God's approval just in case you're wondering. And he's kind of showing, you know, He's trying to, I guess, convince these folks that his message is the right message is really what he's saying. Now, the cool thing about this, trying to convince them of this, is uh, that his message is good news. Um, And what he's trying to convince them is, is really good news and trying to liberate them from legalism and from man's religion. And uh, a less works-orientated faith. Um, This is where it gets kind of crazy. In 11, it says, But when Peter came to Anatoch, I had to oppose him publicly, speaking strongly against what he was doing, for it was very wrong. And so here Paul's showing that that no favoritism thing is really real, you know. Like he's willing to stand up to Peter, and Peter's, you know, the head of the church. And uh, goes on to, he goes into detail about that. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who don't bother with circumcision. But afterwards, when some Jewish friends of James came, so James was probably the most conservative of the disciples. If he's the same James that wrote the book of James. Um, James came, friends of James came. Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore because he was afraid of what these legalists would say. Then the other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was influenced to join them in their hypocrisy. I mean, um, wow. Talk about elitism, you know, and, and, and peer pressure, you know, to be something you're not. And I think we see a lot of this in Christianity today and Christian politics of people willing to exclude others because they think it's the right thing to do or it's the Christian thing to do or it's what the cool kids are doing or what the majority is doing or what those in the leadership are doing and they're afraid. And what you're seeing is Peter was afraid. Barnabas was afraid. They were afraid of what James's guys would think. So they stopped eating with Gentiles. I mean, that's pretty crazy. We're talking about the head of the church. And uh, so this is a moment where you have someone radically standing up to power saying, no, you can't do this. This is wrong. You're erasing everything we've worked for. You know, and we're called to do the same thing. You know, and we see this happening today. 
but a lot of us remain silent and we don't stand up. Now there's a lot of people who do speak up and say things. Um, but it's, it's a hard line because we do have to do it out of love. I'm starting to realize more every day. Um, I think I've learned this from Facebook a little bit that I have people who have been very kind to me and loves me a lot and are like family. Uh, well, even my own family, my own father, but they're conservative and they talk about the wall and, you know, all that crazy stuff. And it, you know, I don't know what to do with it. And, um, so part of me has decided to kind of stick with love right now the best I can until I have an opportunity to speak. And that's tough, you know, because I know there'll be a time to speak up, but I know it's probably not through a Facebook message. You know, I mean, me and my father got to speak for his, speak to each other on his birthday, which was January 2nd. And... You know, we both just talked about sitting together and just talking because we know we have many differences. And he's like, I know we have very different theologies. And I said, yeah. I said, but really, I feel like it's more the politics that are getting in our way than the theology. And he said, there's got to be a way for us to talk because we love each other. And um, and that's where it's the tough thing. That's where it's got to go. Because just writing off people and and making others the bad guys doesn't really work anymore. Because we do the same thing. We do the same thing that we're being done to us. We re- return the favor and then we just isolate each other and there's no discussion. You know? So I see problems with both the very left reaction and the very right reaction. And I'm not saying we need to be moderates. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we've got to learn to love each other and realize there's big differences here and, um, and learn how to communicate with each other because I don't know how else change is going to happen. Um, I just don't think change is going to come through snarky social media comments. You know, I just don't think that that's the answer. Um, I'll go on. And the other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas and his influence to join them by their hypocrisy. When I saw they were not following the truth of the good news, I said to Peter in front of all the others, maybe this is what we should be saying about, you know, to others about the wall. Since you are a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws, are living like a Gentile, why are you trying to make other Gentiles obey the Jewish laws you abandoned? Um, So there's a great amount of hypocrisy here. And he asked the question, why? 
You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners, which is crazy, like the Gentiles. (laughs) And yet we Jewish Christians know that we become right with God, not by doing what the law commands, but by faith in Christ Jesus. So we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be accepted by God because of our faith in Christ and not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be saved by obeying the law. But it's hard to let go of legalism. It's hard to let go of tradition. You know, when you start to realize how the Bible was written, and you start to realize that some of the books probably shouldn't even be in there, and you start to go like, oh, it's not probably meant to be read literal. It's hard. You know? And when your image of God starts to change, and your even your image of Jesus changes, and you have more questions, you know, you go through kind of a mourning period of that. And some people just aren't ready to go there yet. They're not ready to accept it. It shakes their foundations. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they just said when they went to Bible college, everything inside them was shaken because it wasn't what they were told. You know? And it scared them. And so sometimes we just put up these walls and just go, okay, I'm going to go sit with the Jews and just ignore the Gentiles. And then other times we go, okay, I'm going to try to expand my horizons. And, and, and sometimes that means walking into the unknown. And uh, when I, one of the books I wrote, I, I, part of the subtitle is Walking with the Unknown God. You know, because I feel like there's this time where I just don't even know God or what's going on because I have to walk into this new place. But it wasn't a place that I was raised in. Which I want to do a sermon about growing up in the church and and the uh, brainwashing. Only because someone gave my son a children's cartoon Bible and it's Old Testament stories. And it's probably one of the most inappropriate things I've ever read. And he saw it and just thought it was fairy tales. Which is like totally what it seems like. It seems like really crazy fairy tales. So I want to talk about that one day. Maybe when we get through the Galatians study. Or maybe just as I go through the Galatians study, I'll go down rabbit holes and talk about it. (laughs) Um, 17. But if we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ and then find that we are still sinners, has Christ led us into sin? Of course not. Rather, I make myself guilty as I rebuild the old system I already tore down. And the old system he's talking about is legalism. And legalism and the law are still alive in the church today. It's just not Judaism anymore. It's religion. It's man-made religion. It's church-made religion. It's tradition, you know, that we have to be very weary of because we rebuild those laws. I know they're in my head. I know it still haunts me. Um... I'm still dealing with things in therapy about not feeling good enough. 
you know, feeling like I'm lazy or that I don't add up. That's still one of the main things I'm dealing with in therapy right now. And that comes from a message that I heard growing up. It even can come from a message of grace if you're not careful. You go, what? But when that thing's like, well, I'm just a horrible, filthy sinner. I'm just a horrible person saved by grace. You know, that too. You go like, well, then I'm just a piece of crap. You have to be careful that, you know, I thought we were made in God's image. You know, I mean, the Bible sends some confusing messages. And um, it's sometimes it's tough to find, you know, be healthy. And I think we have to learn to be healthy and learn to, you know, lean on scriptures like love your neighbor as yourself, which means love yourself. You know, don't hate yourself. Don't beat yourself up. You know, sometimes it might seem like Paul beats himself up, but Paul also exalts himself quite a bit too. And that's probably not the worst thing in the world um, for every now and then for us to know where we stand. And, uh, you know, there was a time when I was on tour with the Loose in the Bible Belt tour. And I think we were in maybe Kentucky. Um at the welcome center we stopped and the guy working there had a rebel hat on and so I just said why are you wearing that hat I'm like you know there's stigma around that flag a lot of people perceive it as hateful and you're here representing the state welcoming people Um, he didn't he was a very large man um, I was realized that probably halfway through my asking these questions. Um, you know, and we had a conversation about it and it, you know, he didn't take the hat off or anything, but we just had a conversation and we both went our separate ways. Um, But there's a time where you just know it's time to speak up. You know? And I spoke up. And as I was speaking up, I turned around and looked, and there was a black family standing behind me, listening to the whole thing. You know? And um, it was the right thing to do at the time. And it was knowing that. And that's when Paul's knowing right there the with with what Peter's doing it's the right time for me to speak up and hopefully that we all have that chance to know when it's the right time to speak um, I realize I can never earn God's approval so I died to the law so that I might live for God I like that idea that we can't earn it because we already have it and reminding that you are approved, you are loved, you are accepted. I have been crucified with Christ. If you've been crucified with Christ, you've been made righteous with Christ. I myself no longer live, 
But Christ lives in me, so I live my life on this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this was always one of my favorites. It might be loaded verse, but it's the last verse we're reading today. I'm not one of those who treats the grace of God as meaningless. For if we could be saved by keeping the law, then there was no need for Christ to die. Um, also, I've read versions where it says, I do not treat the grace of God as um, in vain or, or make, make Christ's death in vain. Um, I mean, I'm not one of those who treats the grace of God as meaningless. For if we could be saved by keeping the law, then there was no need for Christ to die. Um, so he's still an atonement theory guy. I have different opinions on atonement theory. But he's saying you can't treat the grace of God as meaningless. You know, and uh, I see it treated as meaningless so often in conversations by both sides, by the left and the right, that we've forgotten what grace is. We've forgotten what mercy is, you know, and so we just make everybody else the devil. And these are people with different backgrounds and raised differently and have different... And, you know, by the grace of God, we're not there anymore. But I think almost everybody in this room at one point was probably in, in those positions, in those areas, believing those things. But we went through something and probably went through some hell to get where we're at. You know, and a lot of pain. It wasn't easy. And how often do we wish that pain on other people? But unfortunately, that's usually what they have to go through to understand it. And maybe they're just too afraid. Love is patient. Love is kind. Not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. I can see that I'm probably making some of my liberal brothers and sisters uncomfortable with that kind of talk. But I'm not saying we don't speak up or we don't say things. Martin Luther King Jr. is one of my heroes. I'm just saying we know the time, but we also know that love is the only thing capable of turning an enemy into a friend. As Martin Luther King said that. So we remember that. I mean, there's a reason nonviolence is what he used because it was a loving thing. And that included of the mouth, the tongue, nonviolence of the, uh, of the tongue. So Paul next week will get all his, his he, he, he gets his underwear and a wad and gets mad again. So we'll go through that. <laughs> But right now we're just trying to not treat the grace of God as meaningless. I hope that encourages you some. Um, maybe not to sh shut up or maybe to shut up, but to think a little bit and feel a little bit. And uh, 
um, use uh, use your common sense, use your heart. There's a word I'm looking for and I can't find it in my head right now. Discretion. This is a good word. Use discretion. Discernment. Yeah, discernment. Use your discretion. Use your discernment in situations. Um, because I really thought that we would never be more divided when Bush was in office. And we are more divided. So, you know, I want to love my dad. I want to love my friends who who post things that make me cringe because these were people who loved me and showed me Jesus in a time of my life when they didn't even know they were doing it. You know, I want to love them and be in relationship with them. You know, and uh, I think it's a healthy thing to do. I'll tell you what, right now, I have offers from some of my conservative friends to come live with them and stay with them and be with them more than I do with my liberal friends. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, it's just, it's confusing. Um, When you're going through hell and you see that kind of, and you, and you cringe a little bit because you're like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> you know, and my dad was like, you could come live up here with me and work with me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dad, <laughs> uh, no, thank you. <laughs> but um, anyway, that is what it is. It's just me trying to tell you my truth so we can maybe look at things differently. And man, it's hard. It's really hard. I don't like preaching this stuff. You know, I'd prefer to just continue to stay in my very left way of thinking and say these people are deceived and they're bad and we've got to, you know, but they're victims of misinformation as far as I'm concerned. But they're still people that we're called to love and be patient and kind with and use discernment and speak the truth through discernment. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, This is Revolution Church. And um, we are a nonprofit. And we exist through your donations. So if you're online, you can go to revolutionchurch.com or you can go to our Facebook, which is Revolution Church and donate there. Um, We need your donations to run this church. And uh, yeah, keep keep moving forward. Um, So we're really, really in need at this time. So if you like what we do, please consider giving uh, and supporting with what you can. If you feel that, you know, this is bringing something positive to your life, we'd really be grateful. Thank you so much.